Paul, how you doing? Awesome. It's pretty late. This is where I thrive. I like the pod when you're kind of just a bit... Look, when you say stuff that you know people in the comments afterwards will be like, mm, uh, 721. Those yeah, are the best ones. When I started doing this podcast, I was very careful and calculated with what I say, and I'm slowly loosening that. Well, you just realize after a while, if you're just talking for hours at a time, you're going to you say can't. something stupid. Yes. Yeah, stop expecting minutes. perfection from us. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, uh, that's all I can't... Yeah, can't add anything to that. <laughs> well said. Thank you. What'd you get up to today, by the way? I don't think I'll ask that. Uh, what did I do today? Uh, filmed more maths. The that's funny. I love your recaps, man. They're really funny. Oh, no, that's doing that thing now. No, that's fine. Is it? That's just, it's, just, it's just detecting where your face is. Oh, well, thank you very much for that, Neil. I appreciate it a lot. I'm glad somebody enjoys them. Evidently, a lot of people do. The other thing is that I've just continued my epic battle with some boomer that has no subscribers. But I honestly, I think that is the best content, is just smaller YouTubers that have beef with you, bigger YouTubers are the bigger YouTubers picking on them. It's always great. You know, like, put rice on the map. These kids must be stopped. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. If any YouTubers are listening to this, someone do a call-out video of me. I want some beef. Surely there has been some. You've been around too long for there not to be people going, stop Neil Kohatko. I remember, um, I've got a few blogs. Uh, Blogs. Yeah. That's intense. Someone... What, people wrote, like, newspapers about how chic you are. Is that... What did the blog say? Can we know? One of them was a... a fe- uh, I don't know if it was a specific feminist blog, but it was just saying my content was sexist. Mm-hmm. And... And it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, man. That's the Dude, main thing. it's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the constant argument. Equality is uh, making fun of each other equally. <laughs> So, Duh. which should I, and that, like, I, I agree with that. Yeah, and I That's 100% subscribe yeah. to your, like, joke of your strong held opinions. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, did I, I had a guy, dude, when you were getting all that heat for um, one of your videos being funded by the unions, yeah. a guy tweeted saying, oh, Friendly Geordies is uh, funded by the Labour Party, and apparently Neil Cole Hatker is funded by the Liberal Party. <laughs> Why? I wish. That's a lot. There's a lot of money there. Yeah, I know. What a, what a cash cow that would be. But like, I, why? I don't, it was some. It's some guy who's um suing Mark Latham or something or suing. Oh, that can't. Um, fuck. What is his name again? Farouk. Yeah. Yeah, but dude, that that guy is what's known in the biz as an attention whore, and might I add, extremely talentless. He's always in the peripheries of um, just one of those commentators trying. that are a blue tick on Twitter for some reason. Yes, but for don't some actually reason. do anything. And dude, he is the definition because they have of like who sassy do tweets, and they got fifty thousand followers on Twitter. That. But, you know, imagine, those 50,000 are following. Imagine them. having a, a minor following on Twitter and calling out YouTubers who have amassed a, an expansive following for being talentless. <laughs> <laughs> like we've, we've actually put some 
some conception of objective talent into what we do. Yeah. We haven't just done mad calls. Is that incredible? That yeah, the when you look back at your life and you think, yeah, okay, the end more was a really good experience. Um, you know, uh, get, get, like you know, doing tours where you're like interviewed in America. Like the, the, there's these there's these highlights of your life, <laughs> and then that guy's highlight of his life is. Did you see that epic tweet that I sent? It got a few reshares. Fuck, oh. dude. Because you know what? You know what his life is? This is how sad he is. He is one of these people. Like, okay, first depressed. of all, yeah, it's pathetic. Like, the, I, I know very little about this man, except for like every now and then he's just brought up as a joke because he's just like very hated, right? Obvious For obvious reasons. Um, and, you know, like one of his major things has just been like nationalized Twitter. He, that is how enmeshed that man's life is into Twitter. He thinks that that should be a national priority. Um, but yeah, anyway, like... I wouldn't even... I don't think that would actually give him an advantage. If you nationalized Twitter, wouldn't they make it more of a... very democratic in regards to the views of the average punter in Australia? So they'd push up a lot more of the nationalistic Pauline Hanson type views. Whereas I don't know. Now, I don't know what he means Twitter, by that. When you think of Twitter, you think of millennial lefties. Lattes to being millennial lefties. Yeah, the, the fucking Billy of the Beast being him. It's so... The, the, but again, he's just like, I don't know, like he's he, he just lives in a world of pure narcissism just being enforced by this sad little cohort of 200 other narcissists that work at BuzzFeed and the ABC that constantly retweet everybody else's retweets to just, you know, enforce this worldview that is held by those 200 people. And that worldview is basically like, I got an in because my parents are powerful into this cushy job and everyone else on the earth sucks and is talentless except for us. That's it. Who work at BuzzFeed and can't really be fired because, dude, people this who have guy, organically amassed a following can't actually be yeah, talented. Yeah. Yes. No, yes. You need to do it through nepotism. Yeah, that's the real way to do it. And they <laughs> but, look. Yeah, the thing was like, uh, his. I think he works for like ABC Lifestyle or some shit like that, and that that is appalling because not only first of all, not only is he sucking up a paycheck for doing fucking like you know better homes and garden shit. A, like taxpayer funded this is how you make a cupboard fuck you but also yeah let's come on that there's not much that channel 9 and channel 7 channel 10 are good at but when it comes to I've renovation got. and diy shows <laughs> do you want to do you want a latte sipping lefty telling you how to build a cupboard <laughs> or do you want scott cam you want some <laughs> oh, no not bogan you want like a bloke from the western suburbs to teach you how to build a cupboard. I know. Instead of them just going like, what you should do is go into Ikea. They've got ones you can pre-assemble. Like, fuck. Dude, like, don't waste my time and money. <laughs> but, like, the other thing is, the other thing is, for ABC Lifestyle to be accumulated, Construction they just is compl- dominated by white men. I bet you that is something that they talk about all the time. Why well, look, should white we get in this cupboard? Bloody good at the construction. <laughs> they are. Yeah. <laughs> Take it. Fuck, Neil, spitting too many truths already. <laughs> it's too early for this shit. I'm going to chop that up. <laughs> me one day. Mm. I think, yeah. But anyway, that was just yeah, like yeah, a slight call like... out. And but yeah, in conclusion, fuck you. Out. <laughs> in the very early days, when Josh Wade and I were first going viral, um, 
Lewis and a guy called Tristan Barker. They didn't, they didn't call us out, but they did a, a video called The Australian Internet in two minutes. And the thing is, we had more followers than them at the time, but because they had achieved internet stardom before us, we still looked up to them. And we were really scared before the video came out. Like, oh, what are they going to do? What are they? How are they going to call us out? And then it was really tame in the end. They didn't actually call us out that badly. Well, did they Come on, say- Lewis, you could have gone further. Fucking gangly cunt. When are we fighting? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You guys bitched out. No, they, they were nice to me, actually, because they were impersonating all the other YouTubers. And for me, they were like, oh, I'm the only foreign kid on the internet who doesn't talk about being foreign. Was that their call? Yeah. And Ooh, I was like, take oh, that, thank Neil. You. <laughs> that's a compliment. Well, that means, they, that means they like you. Yeah. Hmm. Dude, it's just, yeah, I think, look, you know what I will say about Nick? Uh, Lewis. Lewis is the closest thing to Milo's theory of a virtuous troll, I reckon. He, he calls out cunts that deserve it. And, you know, yeah. like, I, I yeah, really think no that one... he just, he pays people that deserve to be paid. He's no one, I've never called. seen him call someone out where I've thought, no, nah, that person didn't deserve to Too be far, dude. Lot, some people, I've, a lot of YouTubers I have, but with him, no. I'm trying to yeah, think. he's right about it. But yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, no, I haven't had any specific call-out videos. I got a lot of backlash when... But I didn't look at it. I turned my social media off for a week or two when uh, when I released Modern Education. But I don't think there were, like, specific videos. Oh, actually, no, there are some call-out videos on YouTube. I've just never watched them. Reacting to it and things like that. And just talking about how it's shit. Dude. I'm like, telling you, it's content gold. You could just send it out now. You could, just you could do it out. now. No, no, it just react they to are that. very entertaining. Don't you think? Mm, maybe I will. I think you should. I would click on that with it. It wouldn't even be a thought. It's just going to be go, on your boom. side. Of so course. You just do it like a three out of ten call out video. And they're like, yeah, yeah you no. destroyed him. Sick call. You yeah. said fuck you to him. <laughs> I wish I thought of that. Yeah, it's like when rappers have beef, whoever the fans of those rappers are are always like, yeah, man, that guy destroyed the other guy. Mm. Did I know. he? Did he really? Yeah, I mean, look, when like you're the, looking uh, from objective points. The Eminem and um, MGK, MGK killed him. I don't care what anyone's, everyone's like, oh, Eminem, oh, Eminem destroyed him. No, early Eminem would have destroyed him. Eminem now, I don't know what, he needs to get back on the drugs. Is that what did it? Because we were just thinking about this the other day. What the fuck happened to that guy? He His got face clean. hasn't aged at all. He got clean. <laughs> That's what happened. You reckon? Yeah, when he was when he was addicted to drugs, he came out with his best work. Damn. And now it's all like that. You know, the Chris D'Elia impersonation of Eminem is, is Eminem now. <laughs> that like really angry. He's just a grumpy old man now. He's is a he? boomer. The best, uh, the songs I loved so much from Eminem were the ones where he was very tongue in cheek and he was committed. He was funny. He was really funny. And the flow, like every line, it just had this really perfect flow. Look, again, I'm not a rap expert, but it sounded really aesthetic. <laughs> Whereas now it's this kind of staccato, like, with the cup on the table. And it's all talking about revival. All of his recent stuff. There's no comedy it's anymore. Insane. There's no funny stuff. And it's like, what do you look? You're MGK was right. He was like, he had a few lines there where he said, 
you're on top of the world. You've won an Oscar. You've achieved all there is to achieve in rap, and you're still a bitter, angry man. <laughs> what are you bitter and angry about? <laughs> Just do what Snoop Dogg did. Cash in. What are you doing? <laughs> Snoop Dogg timed it right. In the 90s, he was the, the real serious, critical rapper. I don't know if he was critically acclaimed as such, but he was the gangster rapper. And then... At one point, he just thought, after Drop It Like It's Hot, yeah, I'll just do songs with Katy Perry. I'll just feature on all these pop star songs. I'll just become a meme because he doesn't, what more do you need to prove? Well, yeah, You've that's already true. created your best work. Why do you need to flog a dead horse? I don't know the answer to that. Eminem, and I could ponder that for the Eminem days. Show. The Eminem show. Uh, look, the one recent album that was quite good was um, the one he won the, uh, the Grammy for. The Marshall the Math- the, one, the, the LP2 or whatever it was. The Marshall Mathers When LP2. was that? Would have been... Even now, it would have been about six, seven years ago. Okay. Yeah, I've heard the Grammys are pretty fast. Well, is that what he, so he just pumps out an album a year now, I don't think he? he does it a year, every year, no. His last one was Kamikaze, which was either last year or the year before. Mm. But I don't know. I don't really keep in touch with it anymore. <laughs> I was a big Eminem fan back in the day. I mean, who wasn't? Yeah, true. You know what? Still love his old stuff. My mum was a fan. And like all of his songs back in the day were him complaining about his mum. And even she was just like, yeah, he's tight. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, you've got to respect the rhyme. If Aussie mums, despite all the content, are still saying, yeah, he's talented. I know. very talented. It was so true. I swear half of his songs were fantasies about him killing his mum. Or at the very least, being glad when his yes. mum was dead. Him, like, raping Kim and stuff like that. Yeah. Just all sorts of dark. Legitimately dark. dark back in, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I remember just... Because I remember just listening to Revival because everybody said that it was so awful and I couldn't even get through one song. It was... It wasn't the man I knew. Yeah. Revival was the one, I think, after the Marshall Mathers LP2. I th- Look, I can't really... I, I, I don't I don't know for sure. And apparently he defends that album to this day. And everybody on earth just critically panned. Everybody is just like, no, it's he's, shit. And he's just like, it's ahead of its time. He's a different rapper. He just is doesn't he? sound the same. Really? I, I wouldn't, obviously, because I know it's Eminem, but you wouldn't recognize the... Sure, artists need to evolve and things like that. But still, the funniest <laughs> stuff he but did he was, was yeah, like early and mid-2000s Eminem, when he was just... He was calling out other rappers mm. and calling out pop stars that like mm. beef with Mariah, mm. all that mm. stuff. It was just so funny. He didn't give a fuck and it was great. Now he's, and he still had his serious tracks and they were great because among all the, uh, the tongue in cheek, the sort of humorous jabs at other rappers and other pop stars was this really serious, deep, dark song about his life. That was more impactful. Whereas now everything is just angry. Yeah, yeah. Everything's deep. So angry about bro. And I, I, you know what? When you're a teenager and you've got all that angst, that's why I think people just loved him because they're like, yeah, fucking hate the world. Sing it, Eminem. (laughs) Yeah, fuck my mom. I'm cleaning out my closet. Fuck, bitch. Yeah, but after you're a tradie for a while, and yeah, okay, see you tomorrow, Margaret. Okay, do you think it'll be done by Saturday? Probably. It's not that much to be angry about anymore. Your hormones have died down. Yeah, yeah. You have access to your own finances. No one can tell you you're grounded. Yeah, when you're an a- yeah, <laughs> you go through a, a few years, but then if you get divorced and, and you go through a bit of divorce, then you get angry again. You know what? Yeah. Bitter men are, are, are teenage boys 
or, or early 20s incels and then also divorced 50-year-olds. Oh, yeah. That's where men yeah. are at their most bitter. Yeah. Maybe that's it. This and is new parents. New par- I don't think new parents are bitter. They're just... I, I've seen a lot of guys that have just recently had kids and they didn't seem like the fatherly type. And then they're not bitter, but they're just... They're just it's not them. They're, they're tired. You can see it in their face. That is they are. And the kid's only like one. <laughs> they're always like, fuck, I need a beer. I know. You know that's like how the kids are like. Ugh. Yeah. It's the constant review you get. It they're never one. ends. Oh, damn. Come on, man. You got, you got 30 years. You got, if the trends are anything to, to follow after millennials, you've got at least 30 40. more years of them living at home. <laughs> Yeah, man. It's like I'm, I'm glad that you keep tabs with this, like uh, mm. th- these remnants of my childhood, because that that really look Eminem in my life is kind of just there with like Dragon Ball Z. And oh Pokemon. yeah. Oh, there's it's not a, many a guys our age that wouldn't have uh, been influenced by Eminem's music in yeah. some way, shape, or form. Yeah. He was the best. Yeah, and fantastic. But um, probably should get into the uh, the serious topic that I wanted to talk about for this podcast. So to give everyone a little bit of context in Australia right now, it is uh, Monday the 2nd Something. of March. So it's the day before Super S- Tuesday. Super Tuesday. I don't know when we'll release this. We'll probably release this if, uh, in, from in, in another two weeks. So uh, we, we could be... But com- you've got to pay how epic that sounds, though. I wish there was so things American. like that in Australia. Super Tuesday. Such a battle royale. I know. Politics. Very epic sound. Super Tuesday. Who's going to win? Who's going to come out on oh, top? Yeah. It sounds like something that would be in The Running Man. It's like some like dystopia from the 90s about like one yeah. man. Po- politics is commentated on as though it is sport in America. It's pathetic. You know, what? there is something that I've noticed that is unbelievably superficial about how the American population win? is. Who's going to win? All that, It's all that. It's all horse race shit. It's all polling. And I get suckered into it all the fucking time. Just my, my whole feed is filled with the hill. And I can't fucking watch another shark poll. Bernie Sanders is slightly up in Idaho. I've got they other things their, to do with they, my life. They love their polls. They love it. And look, in Australia, they do have they, they talk about polls a lot. But every day... New poll, new po- yeah. And such specific polls, just like black voters in <laughs> South so Carolina, true. black vote, black working class voters <laughs> over the age of fifty. <laughs> Bernie is uh, losing with black voters over the age of fifty in this one regional town <laughs> in South Carolina. It's over for him. It's over for him, Jim. Yeah, I, no, I don't see a path forward. I can't. I can't see him coming back from this. It's over if he doesn't win that precise niche group. <laughs> it's done but having said that uh yes the 2020 race is, is is heating up i'd just be interested to uh talk about who we think might might win any surprise result anything that might go against what people would expect um well bernie's winning but biden had a pretty big uh pretty pretty substantial win in south carolina in sc mm. with those with older black voters. Yes. That was what... I know. <laughs> Why do you so think... I guess the polling works. What... Mm, just trying to think, like, what what would be in the cultural mentality of an older black man from South Carolina that would that would uh, point him in the direction of voting for Biden as He's opposed linked to, to Obama. Do you think that's... Because that's what everyone says. Is that it? Yeah, Absolutely. 
Do you Look, think it's got anything to do with Biden being more of a imposing, assertive, strongman type figure, even though now he's definitely getting older? No, I think that it is just the fact that he's associated to Obama. Older people are, have like a thing of loyalty. So did they, they all voted for uh, Hillary in 2016, that, that demographic? Yeah. And then, well, okay, then they would have voted for Obama in the previous two elections. Okay, yeah, so it's all just... They have a lot of loyalty to the Clintons and anyone that's associated to the Obamas. I don't know why that they're so in with the Clintons. Maybe it's because he played saxophone. I don't know. That is like, it. He was the that people said he was first black president. <laughs> what, I say that he was the first female president, but yeah, he, he played the sax. Oh, he's black. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean he's black. He played the saxophone. Yeah, you're right, Joe. That's well, he does all, that's sound like a case. jazz. He, he sounds like what I'd imagine a jazz musician would sound in New Orleans. He seems like a guy that would have a lot of black friends that are just really into Miles Davis if he wasn't a politician, just being like, play it again, Sham. You know what he, he reminds kind of me? Film. He reminds me of like the guy in the... I don't know if you ever saw that movie. Um, a really old movie. Ah, oh, it had uh, Fred Astaire. Ah, oh, it's a famous one. And there's that song <laughs> where it's like, drop that bass. Um, they're on a... It's like black and white. It's really old. Anyway, there's a scene. Casablanca. No, 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 no. I'm He's a tap dancer. And in the '70s, in the Oscars, they did like a reunion. This is how old the film was. They did a 30-year reunion or something of the film. Um, but he only died recently, I think. Maybe. But anyway, the point is, there's a scene in that film where he goes to the I don't know the ship terminology, but the bottom level of the ship. I don't know, back then, where they were putting all the coal into the... I don't know. I don't know. Clearly yeah. don't know anything about my ship. The, the hull? Right, yeah. I don't know. The bottom level, that's all yeah. I know. And that's where all the... Uh, this was like really... like This was, you know, before the 60s, definitely. That's where all the like the black people were working, right? Mm -hmm. And they were dancing, and they mm -hmm. were, you know, just doing, like, stereotypical black things or whatever. <laughs> dancing. Jesus. <laughs> like... <laughs> According to the Tech Hollywood dance. liberals, yes, that's what they did. Yeah. And so he would—he was the cool guy that came in there and just started dancing with them and like jiving and jamming with them. And then by the end of it, they were all applauding him and standing up jumping because he was that good. Yeah, that's pretty that's much Bill I Clinton's pretty much life. Perceive Bill Clinton. Yeah. You know, that's basically. You probably just saw a documentary of him. That's mm. pretty much it. He did mm. really just tap dance his way to the White House. There you go. A blessed life indeed. That's because I guess since JFK, they didn't really, America didn't really have the, uh, a cool president, did they? I don't know. Ronald Reagan. Yeah, they, they, uh, I don't think they did. Hang on. Let me just think through. JFK, yeah. Was oh, he fuck. cool? Was he slick, man? Gerald Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Nixon. Yeah, no, you're right. That was it. Yeah, Gerald Ford. He was pretty cool, man. <laughs> Damn. And you know what? They actually did. People will... will not agree with this, but I honestly think that uh, George Bush Jr., funny cunt. That guy should yeah, be to, a comedian. Yeah, but to laugh at. No, 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 no. This is the whole thing. Oh, he did say funny. Yeah, there was this one point, one thing where he said, um, uh, I can't really do his accent, but it was like, if you get A's, you can um, become a, a, a doctor or a civil engineer. And if you get C's, you too can be president, president of the United, United States. States. Yeah. He's a witty man. Wow. Because you know what? You know, a lot of the thing about George Bush Jr. apparently was that he put on this yokel yuck yuck act 
because it kind of endeared him to voters. Was it an act? Because well, he's a very good actor. Yeah. That did not seem fake at all. Look, okay, let's what? put it this way. He is not a smart president, but to be president, you have to be pretty smart. And just by being in that role for eight years, you're basically getting 50 PhDs because you're just getting the most educated people on earth in every area saying you should make this decision. So it's just the people that you hang around with. Sure. You're around really accomplished people. Yeah. And I think that's it. But now, like when you see him on talk shows, he's just running loops around them. He's just so much quicker than he, they are. Yeah, he is. Uh, he does seem uh, to have uh, improved his vernacular. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Just his general conversational and knowledge. General yeah. knowledge seems to have improved. That's great. Post-presidency. But anyway, uh, digress here. So... It looks, uh, tell me if you agree with this, but it looks like Bernie will either win a plurality or a majority of the Democratic delegates. Yeah. And then there's talk uh, of whether or not the superdelegates. So for, for people who might not know uh, too much about American politics, the, the Democratic um, primary situation is that there's the first round of voting where all the delegates pledge their support. Um, and then based on if you reach a 15% threshold in various states, you get a certain amount of delegates. And then there's also caucusing. I don't understand the caucusing bit, but I think it's something. There's preferences involved there and things like that. Mm. I, don't, I don't know exactly, but mm. a few states do caucuses. There was some big issue with the Iowa one. And then the convention's in July. And this, this time around, the superdelegates aren't, aren't going to pledge... Uh, if someone has got an overall majority of the delegates, the superdelegates will automatic... Well, they won't need to go to the second round, so they won't even involve the superdelegates. But if no candidate has a, uh absolute majority in the delegates, so if they haven't exceeded 50% of the delegates, the superdelegates uh, come into play in the second round of voting at the convention. And there is talk of, uh, because the DNC don't like Bernie that much, Potentially, the superdelegates could go against Bernie, despite the fact that it, it looks like he'll at least get a plurality. And they could go with, well, it looks like it, it probably Biden. Or, or Bloomberg. Yeah, Bloomberg. Yeah. And I think if I was going to steal the election, I would go with Bloomberg. And I think I would just go with it because he's kind of just made any indication whatsoever that I don't care. I will buy the presidency. I will pump as much money as required into it. So I think that he would actually be the better horse to bet on. If it was Joe Biden, you know, I, I guess like just even four years ago, that guy was sharp. Yeah, he's, he's Back lost in the day, it. It's really sad. I feel really sorry for yeah, the guy. Like it's, sad, it's hey. Dude, it's... It's mental decline in action. And the thing is, the other thing is, everybody like always just does this because they just... Yeah, it is. You can't answer questions properly. No. And, you know, he used to be, like, a feared yeah. debater. Yeah. He even was in, really good at even it. Even 2016, he was fine. Yeah. So clearly yeah. just in the last two, three years... Yeah, something's happened. Early onset dementia, whatever it is. Well, Look, all of them early. are really old as well. Yeah. All of them are really old. Yeah. It because Bloom, uh, Blue, not Bloomberg, what's his name, just dropped out. Booty Judge. The Judge, yes. Have you heard <laughs> the, the conspiracy theory about him being uh, linked to the CIA? No. That's, look, yeah, I think why? It it's weird that he dropped sense. out. Yes. Don't you think? And Super it's all weird. Because I think that what happened is that they put him in as like a secondary bet. Um, 
you know, obviously there's a lot of people that want to be president, but like, why was this mayor from nowhere that's from this fucking town that I can't even remember the name of that is like basically the size of Dubbo? It might be a bit bigger, I don't know. Whatever. Look, the thing is, it's a tiny town that no one gives a shit about. How is point. he like a presidential candidate? That's a good point. How do you even get that initial boost? Buzz. About the buzz when he when he came from such a minor yeah political position. How are you getting those connections, those high set connections for billionaires to go? Yeah, okay. Money. What was what's the uh, what's the let's delve into this. What's the CIA connection? I am not too versed on it, but I think that what happened is that uh, this look. He is, and this is the same thing that happens in Australian politics as well when it comes to the CIA and global politics. It, it, look, they, it's really scary delving into this shit because... Do they pay him off or something? No, no, absolutely not. It's like he would have had the ambition of wanting to be president, obviously. Yeah. But the thing is that he is connected to certain groups and those groups just think like, yeah, this guy will like play ball, we'll put him there. Like it's the same thing that happened in the Whitlam dismissal and like I think Kevin Rudd as well. Like... All of these, there's always just people that are like in these like almost front groups that are set up that are called things like, I don't know, uh, I don't know, United Democracy or something like that. And that's basically just like a connecting thing where like CIA people can just look at like who's coming into governing and uh, governance or yeah decision makers and just like kind of like pushing them along in that area. Right. Like the same, like with the governor general. But then why did he drop out? Because dude. He, it would make so much sense that he would, because look, it's not like his camp, the whole thing with all of these other, with all these other people, yes, there's all these like no paths forward and shit, but like, you know, like he didn't have a path forward and Amy Klobuchar did. No, the reason that they want to keep Amy Klobuchar in is because she might hold her state. And it's the same thing with Elizabeth Warren. She might hold her state against Bernie Sanders. But when it comes to Buttigieg, it was just another guy that was like leeching votes off of Biden and Bloomberg, right? So there's no use for him. So obviously, I think that his uh, puppeteers just rang up and said, "You're done. You're finished. Go." Like you've done your you've done your use. Like I think the original strategy when Bernie Sanders came in was this guy's got groundswell. Look, the other thing is a lot of the, when it comes to conspiracy, it's always kind of this fifty fifty thing of he's young and he's gay. And he's fresh faced. Well, Good there's all image. that shit. Yeah, there's all that shit that like is surrounding it. But I think that the other thing is that like when how there was like thirty candidates or something at the beginning. Yeah. I think that a lot of it was just like throwing shit against the wall, seeing what's going to stick, and it was all just yeah. about trying yeah. to drain vote away from Bernie Sanders or drain attention away from Bernie Sanders. I think that was the strategy that they were going towards because they realized when it came to Hillary Clinton, like if it's just one on one. Bernie Sanders will get the majority of the vote. I think that's what the play was there. If you're yeah, going to buy right, into right. like the CIA plot. But dude, the thing is, like, look, the CIA orchestrated, and it's just like common, it's, it is public record, like 70 coups across, hundreds, hundreds of coups, like 70 invasions since World War II, but hundreds of coups across the planet. Like, why wouldn't they do it to their own government? Mm. Of course they would. So I think that like there's merit to that theory. And it makes a lot of sense. Like, okay. again, why the fuck else would Biden... I mean, sorry, why would Buttigieg get out? Especially because... It does seem you, weird. It's weird. And the other thing he's is... He's third and he's still third in the delegate count. Third in the delegates. If you don't have a path forward to presidency, so what? It's just about staying there so you're just in the public's Name mind for as long as possible. Yeah. yeah. I heard that he spoke to Biden and Biden offered him, well, whether it's VP or some sort of cabinet position in a potential Biden pre- presidency. And that's actually another good point. And... I don't even think it discounts the CIA theory, but I think that, look, 
there's definitely something there. It's it's very it interesting it's a very, the Buttigieg one. Yeah, like there's it's a no very odd time to drop out. It's odd. Dude, two days after Super Tuesday, just see how you go. Yeah. Why yeah, would you just drop out then? Yeah. Clearly, I think there were some greater powers that might have thought he was taking votes away from yeah. people who were otherwise ahead of him and whatnot. But anyway, it looks like um, Bernie will... I don't think he'll get an absolute majority. I think he might get a plurality. Yeah, probably. And But I doubt they'll then take the... Because then they're really just shooting themselves in the foot. Then they're basically handing the presidency to Trump again. But this is the whole point. Do they care? That's true. That's true. Because... They might not. This is what... Look, people always... This is another thing that sticks at my craw, right? Is that people always try and... But... Export what happens in American politics to Australian politics and be like, you know, Democrats are Labour and Republicans are Liberals. But actually the way to think about it is that the Democrats are closer to the Liberal Party here and uh, the, the the Republicans are just like so corrupt that it's just kind of like, ob- like, it's just, like they make a virtue out of it. Like I can imagine a senator standing up and saying, we are, it, it is against freedom and liberty for billionaires not to bribe senators. That's why I'm including this uh, ultimate freedom bill. Like, it seems like they're just kind of cool with it at this point. But the thing is that when it comes to the Democrats, dude, it's a really corrupt party. They both are. Like, it's just because it's the center of power for the world. Just out of curiosity, what, what would be, like, if, if a billionaire did want to, would you put a cap on uh, political donations? Where? Just in general. In America? Yeah. Yeah. What would the cap be? Look, honestly, if it were up to me, look, clearly the best system globally for every democracy would just be to have like publicly funded elections of just you get this much money, you get this much money. That's that's all you mm. get. But the thing is, what people don't understand is that just campaigning is very secondary to media coverage. So that doesn't matter. Well, don't then, you think they'd still be able to win? That the businesses would still be, and if 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 rich individuals and businesses wanted to gain political influence and power, even if they are not legally allowed to donate to a candidate directly, there would be some other way. Yeah, like super PACs. Yeah, or well, it's like the same some thing. Other with, enticement that yeah. would occur. I mean, dude, they figured it out with fucking college football. I think they're going to figure it out with. You know, like who decides who drops nukes? They're going to figure that. There's going to be back ways, as you said. I think that this this is just like a. It's kind of a fairy tale. Yes, there's 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 ways to clean it up, but the idea that there's ever going to be free elections is just like, in my opinion, it's just completely naive. It's never going to be this kind of like you know, just two campaigns are equally funded and they'll get equal media time. There's always going to be interests competing in their way, and even these things like. When it comes to the CIA kind of, uh, you know, what's the word? Sort of just like green lighting certain candidates. Mm. Things like that. Those things are never going to go away. Those are, those are just really behind the scenes things. I don't, I, I, look, yeah, I would be trying to reform donations. But the other thing that people don't understand is, and the Koch brothers figured this out. And you can read it, I think, in Democracy in Chains. But the Koch brothers figured out that bribing candidates... That's not the main way that you influence them. The main way you influence them is by saying, if you don't do what we want, 
we will find this other person that will do what we want and we'll just fund his campaign. So you just out-primary right. them. Yeah, because they, That's just, they just want to be president. Yeah. They're willing to do anything. Or like on a congressional level and a Senate level, all these other offices. Yeah, this is sure, the other sure, thing sure. as well. Like when it comes, People always just think that like the president is his ultimate kingmaker. But actually, Chomsky actually puts it the best way. It's like, really, the president is a figurehead. It's kind of like the Queen of England. Yeah, they've got more powers, I guess, because like they've got veto and things like no, that, but yeah, and you, pre- right. executive they, orders. Yeah, but really, like the the actual inaction of them is just like he was always saying this when they were just being like, "What would you say if you met George Bush, George W. Bush?" And his response was, "He's basically a figurehead. If I if I ever met him, I wouldn't talk to him about Iraq. I just asked if you have you talked to God recently, like." <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's just, just sure, sure. they kind of just imposed there look it's, it's not all doom and gloom and yeah like maybe bernie sanders will make it but is, i, I am get... reserving my uh hysteria that i think he's going to make it i i think i change all the time though I, i'm sometimes i'm just like yeah he won nevada like why even have the rest of the primary yeah but, uh well, the other uh, argument, they're not just doing irreparable damage to their chances in the 2020 election if they give it to someone else who didn't get a plurality of votes. That's the part that no one would then want to vote for them for many elections to come. People wouldn't forget something like that. No, the they Hillary would. Clinton thing was one thing, but if he actually gets the plurality and then uh, the superdelegates go with someone else... Dude, uh, nah. See, that's this is not the just the 2020 election. That's for years to come. I don't... Man, the average American doesn't think about politics at all. It's very easy to dupe them. And people's memories change in a second. There's all these things that people always yeah. say like, oh, they're done now, and then people forget like a week later. This is about campaigning and strategy. And dude, people's opinions are very fickle. And there's, as we've been talking about in other podcasts, there's mm. like a hundred years of concerted propaganda tools that are instigated to change public opinion quickly. And again, like, yeah, you might not fool some people. There's always going to be like that 20% of the population that's like heavily invested or whatever. But, you know, th- what about the other 80% of votes that are up for fair. grabs? Yeah, fair point. The other argument I would I would put forward is that actually more of a mainstream media argument, which is the policies of the other candidates are a lot closer to each other, whereas Bernie's policies are very different. So even if he gets a plurality, but let's just say 60% of the vote is shared between Biden, Klobuchar, Warren, and Bloomberg, there actually would be an argument. I wouldn't agree with it. I'd still give it to Bernie, but there would be an argument to say, well, the American people, well, the, the Democratic primary voters wanted these policies. Therefore, we should put someone up who is putting forward those policies. Yeah, and look, honestly, I don't really know what the answer is to that because uh, you could... Yeah, look. I don't think it's an invalid argument because I've heard some people say, oh, that's just ridiculous to say that. Yeah, but why is it ridiculous to say that? That's the point, right? Like, what is actually the counter-argument to that? That it, it, it doesn't matter if the policies are closer related between those candidates. If there's one candidate that got the most votes, they should get the... Exactly. Which, but which I agree with. But I but don't I know if I... think that argument's valid. See, but see, this is the whole thing. It's just like both of them are just like technically democratic, aren't they? Like, mm. basically what they're talking about is how our electoral system works. Like how you just have preferential voting. 
Yeah. I suppose they're kind yeah. of just determining who gets the preferences. But yeah, yeah like clearly, off. like, yeah, Klobuchar and Biden are more aligned than like Bernie is. Hmm. So I don't know. Dude, like, look. Then, okay, let's say Bernie is the nominee. Uh, I, dude, I don't know if he can if he can beat Trump because as I think we were talking about this last week, then the media will suddenly, I don't think they'll necessarily be in favor of Trump, but they won't be attacking him relentlessly in the same way they did in the 2016 election. No, no, because he'll be their guy this time. And you know what else? It's just like, as soon as Trump got in, there was this global convention of bankers. I can't remember what it's called, but basically they were just sat there and they thought they, they looked at Trump's policy and they thought, why did we put so much money into Hillary Clinton? Like well, he's, he, he's a Republican. He's not going to attack the banking system. And then if you, uh, if you just put policies forward for people to vote for, they'd be very aligned. The average person in America, from what the polls say, would be quite aligned with his policies. But a lot of them just still vote Republican because it's more of an emotional attachment they have to that party and what that culturally stands for. And that's a big thing. Mm. You know what? So that's the party of America. That's the party of freedom. I'm going to vote for that party. That's the party of <laughs> being a man. <laughs> Democrats are soy boys. Yeah, you're right. And look, that's the other thing as well. Uh, how do you get rid of that? How do you, how do you, if you were, let's just put out, if you were a, Democratic strategist, a corrupt democratic strategist. Hey, that one turned off. Oh, for fuck's sake, what's with the fucking. Potential Sanders Trump general election in 2020. I actually think, I, if I was a betting man, I'd still think Trump would win. Well, he's got more things going for him. Yeah. And. He's extremely charismatic. He has a very rabid, loyal fan base. That's in his favor. He's got like entire institutions behind him because that's the whole thing. Once you're in government, it's a lot easier to stay in government. Hmm. Um, as much as we hate, as much as I've been critical of this uh, new conception of the SJW, which is essentially the anti-SJW, anti people still really hate quote-unquote identity politics and are willing to just vote for someone who they think uh, represents well, the antithesis to, to that. Yeah. So that's I know, I, that seems like a silly thing, but I really think that's a big part. Because like you said, a lot of people aren't really... They don't delve deep into the specifics and the machinations of politics and they just say, yeah, that guy, he, he represents what I stand for. Mm. Even more basic than that, the feel that they give off. Yeah. Yeah. Being Coming across as a decent person is half the battle. Mm. So I really... I. Uh, well, when it comes what? to that... I want Bernie to win because I would love to see Kanye versus Bernie 2024. <laughs> That'd be funny as shit. But I think if Trump wins two terms, <laughs> I don't think Kanye will win It'll be Kanye versus Trump. I think if... Look, if Bernie does... Look, I'm putting it at like... Mm, 75-25 to Trump. So I do think Trump would win if it's Trump versus Bernie. But if Bernie does win, I still think Kanye will win in 2024. Wait, wait, wait. Kanye versus Bernie. Well, I don't think Bernie will do a second. So he'll be very old then. He'll be 83. Look, maybe yeah, and, I wouldn't put a pass him. that's the other him. thing as well. Who else have they got? 
wouldn't put it past him. It depends. It'll be interesting. Who do you, who's he gonna? Is there any talk about who he might pick as VP? No, but if I was him, look, I think that what you should be doing is putting in Tulsi Gabbard. I think so as well. Yeah, she would be a really good vice president. Uh, no, sorry, sorry, no, somebody to like. Uh, Somebody to sort of just like give a lot of spotlight to as a future president that you're trying to set up that will kind of just like continue the Bernie legacy. And uh, and she was one of the only ones. She was in a position of power in the Democratic Party, and people forget this as well. She was loyal from the very beginning. When it, like it, it was not, it was only going to be of detriment to you and your prospects in the Democratic Party to back Sanders. She backed Sanders. That has to count for something, surely. Now, I don't think that they're going to get it because she's going to get all the baggage of just being like, homophobic and all that kind of shit. But look. But in a general election, you want someone who is going to try to uh, switch some of the more conservative, culturally conservative voters. Yeah. She's a former military. Yeah. But, you know, the the counter argument to this, though, is she did not perform well. (laughs) You know what, though? She didn't in the with among registered Democrat voters but in a general election i think she'd uh perform better than a lot of these other people who are getting seven eight percent i think that um, yeah maybe that's true but i think that like a major reason for why she didn't perform so well is first of all she's basically saying the same things as bernie sanders she's just got this more (laughs) one item thing of just being like no more wars so but it's like it's it's a very secondary issue to most people it's always the same thing of just like yeah well what about my back pocket so she's not running on that shit even though she basically agrees with all the same things that bernie sanders does but i think that the other thing is she's kind of boring man that's the thing about both bernie sanders and trump they're good communicators yeah yeah she uh her cadence and her rhythm isn't as uh exciting and inspiring as some of the other candidates that's for sure well it really she is speaks in that very militaristic yeah measured tone down the line mm. almost monotone mm. i th- look that's the other thing that i think uh it really should be. If she hasn't it, dropped out yet. She's still in technically. No, in yeah, yeah, which is and, and admirable as well, because again, it shows. Look, why would Booty just drop out? Why the fuck is Tulsi Gabbard still in? Yeah, because it's a Tulsi Gabbard is running on a principle. I think it's just because she is just trying to draw as much attention as possible to the point that she's making. And again, Booty Judge isn't. Booty Judge is there for his own aggrandizement. I was very disapp- I was actually uh, quite disappointed at Andrew Yang's performance. I was a fan of his. Yeah, but didn't man, do very well. As if he's ever. He is the Bitcoin of presidents. No, I, I thought he'd get you know your four or five percent. He didn't even get that. I don't think he did. No. Damn, that is pretty woeful. Well, he only did Iowa and what was the second one? New Hampshire. Why did I he drop he out so out. quick? Pretty dismal results. So that was the reason. I, he just I, couldn't continue the campaign with that. Yeah, what would what would be the point? Mm. And see, this is the other stupid thing. Booty Judge won technically one of those primaries. Anyway, sorry, I'll shut up about that. But think about it, Mia. No, it's, it's it's definitely something to think about. See, look, the, the whole thing is though that I don't want I don't want to put people's hopes down. But look, Bernie Sanders, even if he became president, which I think, look, I think that his chances are better than they would be in virtually any other country. 
First of all, because he's an excellent communicator. He's got that. He's he's very good at just keeping his message out there. So it's, it's very hard for journalists when they're in a one-on-one interview to get him off track or to give him a gotcha question. He's he's done 75 years of saying, or 65 years of saying the same fucking four points over and over again. Mm. He's very good at that. He understands the soundbite media landscape, so he's good at getting that, that message out. Obviously, he's going to have buckets of money thrown against him, and then he's going to have the entire media establishment against him, and probably the Democratic Party against him. But the thing is, I, I would say that he has a better chance than usual of a candidate like that getting in, basically because America's living standards are... It's, it's depression kind of stuff. It's like a, it's a different world because they didn't understand how to keep an economy kind of artificially afloat back then as they can now, but... For the average American, is pretty dismal. So I can't imagine that a candidate like Bernie Sanders would kind of just rise above all of that fray, which is what usually happens in these circumstances. So he could get there. But, it, look, a president can't do much by themselves. Really what he'd be doing is just uh, having this megaphone where he could just keep reminding the American public of what's important. That would be the great thing about Bernie Sanders being there. But, you know, for Senate, for him to win the Senate, that would be phenomenal. Uh, for, for them to win the House, yeah, probably. But the thing is that, like, dude, even if they win those two things, technically, even if the Democrats win it, there will be, like, heaps of Democrats within the Democratic Party that will be voting against his proposals. So... Yeah, it's so just it's this thing really, of like, it's, it'll be considered a big victory for his supporters, but there's only so much he can actually do. There's only so much he can do. I mean, he can appoint judges. That's a really, really important thing. And the other thing is, again, what I'm saying is that he can constantly articulate how the system is corrupt. And that's important. Basically just inf- in- informing it's the American public on how they're getting screwed he's... over. Yeah. He'll just say that. Yeah. He'll have a lot of initiatives when it comes to uh, climate change. I'm very excited about that. But th- see, this is the whole thing. I think any Democratic president will actually have like a lot of strong initiatives when it comes to climate change. It's just in varying degrees. Obviously, Bernie Sanders' plan is better than Joe Biden's, but it's not like Joe Biden's is weak. Joe Biden's plan is, is like, you know, it's trillions of dollars of investment we're talking about, which is great. So I don't know. Yeah, like when it comes to like military imperialism and stuff like that, look, I don't even know if he's going to be able to do this much because, again, he he is one guy in this giant machine that is well-established and has been running basically the same way that it has since World War II. It's, it's, these things are bigger than one person. This is what people don't understand. It doesn't mean that I hate the guy. Like, I think Bernie Sanders is mad and I hope that he's president. But it's, like... He understands it himself. He sees that his position will not be commander-in-chief. He wants to be chief organiser. Really what he wants to be is like a giant union boss, really. He just wants to be constantly trying to, like, uh, organising work and kind of just telling people about how they should be organising to get what they want. That's how he sees his role. It's interesting. Yeah. Because he understands. He understands how, like... see that. Like, did you hear the story about when he was mayor? It's insane. This is what I'm saying. Like, if there is anybody that can do it, it is Bernie Sanders. That's, there's no question about that. But <clears throat> when he was mayor, he only won by 10 votes, I think. But as, as soon as he got in, the Republicans and the Democrats just started blocking everything that he was doing. Even his appointment for secretary. They said, no, you can't have your own secretary. What? He, the guy that just like says, like, you've got a four o'clock. That person, they wouldn't even give him. 
So they were just so oppositional to him. And the Democrats and the Republicans bandied together to block his initiatives. So what he did was he went around them and then he picked up all of these... He made sort of like a shadow government for like all the positions of um, councillors, I guess, or whatever they're called in America, for the people that are just below the mayor. He made a shadow government of them. He just completely ignored the Republicans and Democrats that were in these positions, the cabinet, I guess. And he just uh, went to this shadow government and said, like, if you were, I don't know, just like uh, the guy that does like zonal and stuff like that, what would you be doing? And then what he did was he just like went to these community organizations and just starved the budgets of all of these Democrats and Republicans and put all of that money just directly into community organizations. And as a result of that, the city afterwards was like, hey, this guy's on the level. And then his voting margin, the next election just went like through the roof. And then he was able to actually get these people into these positions. So maybe he'll be, he's thinking of like something that he'll be able to do like that. But dude, it's not going to be the same as like this piss tiny little city. And, mm. you know, when you're playing with the big boys, your Bloombergs and your Cokes of the world, they're going to be a lot, they're going to be smart as well. You know? Yeah. So, so it's essentially futile to have a, a conversation of who's going to win the presidency because really the discussion to have is the machine itself. Well, I mean, that's always and the distraction. But look, it does make a difference who's president. That's absolutely true. And it definitely makes a difference which party is in power. That's also true. But the competing, is, what you should be thinking about is like the competing interests behind them. And that's what's really cool about Bernie Sanders is he's trying to just being, he's basically saying to the American public, you can be the interest in your government. <laughs> As opposed mm. to the government just being run by the military industrial complex and oil companies and banks, you can be like together, collectively, one of those interests. I think that's what he, the message of his campaign is essentially. Hmm. Which is like, look, that's what needs to happen in democracies. People need to understand that if you want the government to work for you, you have to be involved in the government. You have to, you have to actually like pay attention to this shit and you have to organize and there's all that kind of shit. It's like, it's all tedious stuff. And you have, to, you have to have a candidate that gets people excited about organising as well, which is, you know, it's, it rarely ever happens. Because usually these people are really boring people. They're usually your Elizabeth Warrens of the world, right? Like, she's like, so let's talk about my 2% tax plan. Let's not. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, sure. You need to have some kind of charisma to it. And yeah. you need to be able to say the message so that, like, you know, dumb people can understand it. It's all that kind of shit. But, dude, I take your point, though. I do actually think mm. that, look, Trump probably has a much better shot than people, like, would like, I don't know, our generation, I guess, would like him to have. Mm. And the, yeah. the media elites. <laughs> but, yeah, dude, the media elites, like... Dude. You talk to you just your average... I mean, Australia, obviously, very different. But I, I imagine it's amplified in America. If you just talk to, like, your average working class male in particular, almost all of them have something to say about, yeah, fuck political correctness these days. They just want someone who represents that anger. And you know what's really frustrating? That. He does that. But what's very frustrating about Bernie's campaign is it's also really good. Bernie Sanders didn't focus on it at all, any of the like social issues. And in this election, he kind of just says, like, you know, it's a little 10% focus of it or whatever. Um, 
But really, his bread and butter is always just talking about, look, your wages have been stagnant for 30 years. You know, I think I think more than anyone, he he... Most Democratic candidates try and play into that identity politics thing because... And look, honestly, yeah, Republicans do it, but they just do it in a different way. Like, they're just being like, there's a war on Christmas and all that kind of shit. Yeah. But it's all just about energizing these huge bases of support. So what are Democrats relying on when it comes to elections? They're relying on black churches to come out and vote for yeah. them, right? Yeah, the black And vote. Latino churches. That's why Kanye, he's going to... But dude, don't you think that the, the average black, black person would fucking hate Kanye? No, but they I, I think they might hate the exuberance and, and some of the characteristics of in the same way some people who voted for Trump might not necessarily agree with every part of his character, but they will vote. They will vote for him. Yeah, you're probably right. They'll vote for a black guy. For and a and an who's lived the black experience is what, from the ghetto in Chicago. Obama I mean, grew up with like a white single mum in Hawaii. It's not mm, that black. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. There, there wasn't anything really black about that guy's vibe. Kanye is there? very black. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, look, that's actually a point. And, you know, if you were going to run like a Trump-esque candidate, that would be the guy that they would pick for the Democrats, I guess. But the thing is, on top of that, dude, I think there is actually some... Well, no, they're geniuses in both the same thing. It's just marketing. Like both of them are yeah, really good at branding themselves. Uh, really, I wanted to talk about his policies a little bit more, but we probably do have to wrap it up. Whose? Bernie's. All oh, right. Why? What do you want to know? Well, I just wanted at certain things. Where, for example, the speculation tax on Wall Street, it will raise X amount of money. Does that take into account the potential changes in the in 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 the quantity of those particular transactions or uh how much wall street would change the volume of their speculative decisions when there is that tax so for for example there was also a tax on like high frequency trading or something like that but if that tax is in place wouldn't the volume of high frequency trading diminish yes go down so then the revenue would actually do they take that into account and how do they predict that? So how do they come up with these estimates that this is the amount of revenue raised from this particular tax? You know what? I think that they would they would definitely understand that, that it would diminish. These would all just be ballpark estimate numbers anyway, because dude, we don't even know when it mm. comes to speculative, uh, when it comes to speculative trading and shit like that, how much actually is getting. It's the same thing with like tax avoidance. No one actually really knows how much mm. is getting sucked out of the economy. I think the main thing that what you're trying to do is like, you, you are, it's the same thing with like a carbon tax, right? Mm-hmm. You are trying to discourage the population from making money in that specific way because right, it has right. no actual benefit. What you should be doing, and this is the whole thing, is like, look, you tax things that you don't want happening, like so- smoking and alcohol. Sure, and but, it's, but in the policies, you're saying to pay for X policy, we are going to use this particular tax. So it's not just, we're just going to tax this to discourage the behavior. Yeah, but he's saying that like, when it comes to these kind of things of like, yeah, we'll, we'll make the revenue this way. Really what Bernie Sanders has figured out is that, look, first off, especially when it comes to America, Australia, the substance of what they actually discuss, and it's nowhere near what I would like it to be, but it is a lot better than it is in America. And in America, 
They basically care about polls. The next thing that they'll ask after that to try and get Bernie on things is just like, hey, you're going to pay for Medicare for all and all that kind of shit, right? I think what he's figured out is that it doesn't actually matter how you're going to pay for it to the average American, right? Because the thing is, dude, if America wanted to pay for Medicare, it could. Just like every other developed mm-hmm. country on earth, it will. Especially because it like, costs less than it does to just run the system that they're having, right? What he's understood is the best way to answer that is to just find something that like everyone's just going to be like, yeah, and cheer, right? Who the fuck is yeah, going to sit yeah. there and be like, a tax on speculation in the stock market? Oh, I don't know about that. Like, right, right, you know, right. 200 people in America, like the vast majority of people are going to be like, yeah, tax shows fat cat. I think that's the whole messaging behind it. The, the thing that uh, really what it, like, he like, look, it's, it's basically a talking point is what I'm saying. The crux of the matter is, it doesn't really matter if uh, the 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 you know the, the the base of what you're taxing diminishes over time. There will be other forms of revenue that will be paying for Medicare, just like everything else. It just changes. Hmm. It's just I think it's a clever talking point to say. And on top of that, there should be a tax on it. I think as well because you should always be encouraging your population to be investing in things like, dude, even like robotics, or like you know education or infrastructure or something else something that is tangible and has other economic benefits to it that's i think the main points of his argument would be like if you really crux it down but isn't wall street speculation they could be speculating in the on the increase of value in certain industries like robotics no but you know like well, I don't know. Like, I don't actually know. What, what the high, fre- high, the frequency. high frequency trading, yeah, they just come up with formulas and computers that just yeah. trade, basically. Yeah, which like, so th- th- there is nothing. Their, their product at the end of the day is nothing. There is nothing that they are actually making money off, and they are making like billions of dollars could, off that. You could, could you make the argument that the software that they're coming up with, because it's such a competitive environment, that that software is advancing at such a <laughs> right, that that no, I'm I'm not even being facetious. They're like the the software then Has is advancing uses? at it because it's because it's because of there's that extreme competitive pressure in the higher echelons of Wall Street. That software is advancing at 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 a much higher rate than it would be advancing in other industries or in other areas where there wouldn't be that kind of competition. And then you could use the computing in other areas. Look, yeah, uh, anything that you invest a lot of money in is always going to have some net benefit somewhere down the line, mm. right? But it's just like, surely there's better uses for it than that. Mm. That's the whole point. That's that's what people don't understand about governing, right? It's like when you're talking about an economic strategy, really at the end of the day, you should just be looking at what is going to be benefiting the economy as a whole as opposed to just specialized industries and this is the whole difference between say like a labor how, how the labor party set up the economy in the 80s here as to how like you know reagan and thatcher set up the economies in the u.s and it's the same thing like it's just this it's this massive thing of like look corrupt governments will favor monopolies or industries at a, at a charitable level. Usually they just favor monopolies. It was like a good government will be constantly trying to encourage markets. That's the key difference there. What do you think about the uh, counter-argument, which is what if there's a corporation that's so good it just develops a natural monopoly? 
Yeah, but like, let's think of an example though. I mean, like in small areas, I guess, like jewelry or something, maybe. Hmm. I don't know, but like when when you're talking about things, see, this is the whole thing. Look, as soon as this shit affects the bottom line, you know how like it was always just that. You know, like your crowd a mob and all that shit. They're always just putting this point of, you know, like if you get good enough to the point that you are a monopoly, then what's wrong with that? That is, dem- that is democracy. People are voting with their wallet. But as soon as like, you know, Facebook having a monopoly, they were just like, hey, we, the government needs to regulate it. It's just their tune changes very quickly. Yes, and that's dishonest on their part. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that really like most of the time, when a company has a monopoly, it's going to be bad. Maybe when it... No, but you know, like, even when it comes to innovation and shit like that, even when it comes to innovation, once a company gets a monopoly, they stop innovating. They just may... They, mm. their, their main concern is maintaining that monopoly. And so, like, they just kind of just put out a product that is, like... It's like thing that we're talking about with John Deere tractors and shit like that, right? Like, now, they, they got there by having, like, a better tractor... What happened after that is that they just made tractors that have these really complicated computing pieces in them that farmers can't repair themselves. And so now there's this huge market for 90s John Deere tractors because they're better than the ones that they're putting out now. That's what happens to monopolies most of the time. Okay, does the government need to... uh, To what extent does the government need to regulate that then? Because if a company stops innovating and there's a decent enough there you know there's decent enough uh, opportunity for entries for other companies wouldn't they just subject themselves to the, a competition from other companies which can see that oh this monopoly isn't innovating anymore this is a chance for us to gain some market share but there's a point where like that's the whole point of like this the insidious nature of a monopoly is that it just gets to a point Whereas, where, like, it's it, you can't compete in the market. Like, it's not even just the name recognition. It's uh-huh. just, like, the entry level of money that is required for that region. Like, it's the same thing, like, when people say this about, like, Google and its search engine. It's impossible at this point for a search engine to rise to the level of Google. It's just the level of money and the level of infrastructure that they have there's mm. not a company there's not a bunch of banks on earth that could pump enough money into a competitor yeah it's it, that's when we're talking about a okay. true monopoly and that's when you need governments to come in and like break that shit up and you know when it comes to something like google i don't think that they'll even have the balls to do but it. how do you but how, how do you break like what are the um how do you do that well see look that's a really complicated policy area and like the, the nuance of that. I was just trying to listen to them talking about regulating Facebook in Australia. And look, a lot of the time when you can't understand something, it's because people are purposefully trying to make it sound complicated so you just stop listening to it. It's like what sure. they do with the renewables debate and things like that, right? But yeah, when they were talking about like regulating Facebook in Australia, I just completely fucking tuned out. Like th- these are very complicated ideas of like how you break up this stuff. But look, this has and, happened and in the what, past, like with what Microsoft. What would it do? Would it? Would there be any? I don't know. It just seems. I wouldn't have. I I haven't done any uh, extensive amount of research into that. But no, neither. But 
just I, intuitively just breaking up a big company like that is that it just seems quite simplistic and what but that's the whole point like then would they be still competing against each other how much do you how many companies do you break it into well There's like with so microsoft like it was just a thing of like breaking it in two gave the opportunity for apple to rise now look a duopoly was is that the government yeah yeah in the u.s it was and look I don't know the history of it and I'm sure that you could read about it and people would be saying they didn't go far enough and all that shit. Look, the same thing happened with banks in the 30s. There's there's certain points in history where huge institutions are broken up because it's just un, it's undisputed that they just have way too much power. That is definitely what happened to Microsoft. And as a result of that, innovation was thwarted hmm. because, again, like what is the incentive to innovate? The only incentive to innovate is yeah. to get a profit. But once you've just controlled profit, it's all just about keeping it there. And like, it's the same with McDonald's and all of these other companies. At the end of the day, companies are going to sacrifice innovation, quality, service, all that shit for increasing their bottom line to keep their shareholders happy. So like when it, when it comes to, like, well, especially I, I, when it comes to things like, you know, telecommunications, like these these necessary things, like data retention, all sure. of these things. Yeah. Like when it starts coming into like a necessity or like starts really infringing on, you know, people's lives. When like, say for instance, with Facebook, how it's just this giant data mining company. Yeah. Like the, the idea that one company is able to control the world's data Data is going to be the oil of the 21st century. We're just talking about a decade from now. It's go- it already is. You know, it's like getting to the point where like banks are having massive meetings. Banks are scared of Google now. Banks are having meetings about, fuck, these guys could just come in because they're coming up with their own currency, the Libra currency, right? And they've just realized they've just made us redundant in one move. Google's just been like, dude, banks. Like the thing that has always been the evil puppeteer of every government since dude, royal families before that. We're talking before democracies, puppeteers of royal families. Those things are shit scared of Google. Like, well, then, then I don't know. Could you then say that's not even a bad thing? That's some competition for the banks? I'd say that. But that's because I just fucking hate banks. But the thing is that like my friend Ali, who understands this argument a lot better than I do, his point is always that once Google is controlling money, you will miss banks. And I think he's right. Because now there is like a few... It's always the same thing. It's just... That's kind of just how power works and how money works. It's just eventually, if you don't have some kind of referee in there kind of Mm. teasing out money and saying, you can't profit in this area, what eventually starts happening is cannibalization. It's just things just start eating each other up and you just have these mega companies and you start getting into those dystopias like in Blade Runner where there was just the Tyrell Corporation that ran everything. You don't even have to look that far. Like South Korea is just a small example of that. Whereas just Samsung owns everything, makes everything from watches to lollies to cars. It controls South Korea. This one entity. I think that's the world that we're like uh, but getting into quickly. I mean, again, I don't, I don't mean to simplify this, but if they, if they do it well, if they do what well though, all that production. Oh, the production of like, um, we're just talking see, about consumer goods. Yeah, but see, here's the whole thing, is right? That's, is when that it comes necessarily to Samsung, a bad thing? But 
No, but th- the thing is, the competition just isn't there. Like, I have had Samsung lollies. There is a reason the Samsung lollies are not found anywhere else except South Korea. Yeah. And it's because they're fucking shit. And basically what they've done is gone to the government and they've just said, I want you to put an import tax on... See, this is where like money starts protecting itself, right? Yeah. So that they yeah. can just say like, oh, well, you want South Koreans to have a job, don't you? And it's just like, yeah, I guess so. And then like, but you know, this idea of like the best winning, well, they can't even compete. They can't even get into South Korea because they've got all of these tariffs on them to get in there in the first place. That's what happens in monopolies. So it's not even the best. It's just they're the only thing. That's what will happen definitely when it comes to Google. and if So Libra you need to works. get rid of the tariffs. Well, this is the whole thing that people don't understand about. You know, people are always criticizing labor in the 80s for uh, introducing foreign banks into Australia. But, dude, that is how markets are supposed to work. You're not supposed to have just four big banks in Australia controlling all the money and deciding like what the market share is going to be. You should have banks from Saudi Arabia and Singapore and stuff competing. So you can like lower home loans and you can, lo- so it just makes everything a lot more efficient when you've got competition. But then, but then wouldn't some people say that the wage, st- wage stagnation that has been experienced over the past few decades, a lot of that is due to uh, the opening of, towards global markets and a lot of low cost, low labor jobs being outsourced? No, well, yeah, look, that is a result of poor regulation and then purposefully making wages stagnate. That, that is legitimate government policy that has been set in place. There has been a deliberate attempt by the Liberal government to stagnate wages. And we're talking about things like getting rid of penalty rates, um, allowing companies to import entire workforces from Taiwan or China and just put them in and then pay them Chinese rates while they're here. Like they, these are legal things that they have put in place. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, look, at the end of the day, you, look, you don't want to have a monopoly. You don't want an unaccountable institution controlling society. Mm-hmm. You at least want a government there that is saying, it is somewhat responsible to society saying, no, you can't have that shit. You can't have that much power. Because that's essentially what happens is that you just, you have a government. It's just that that government isn't accountable to you at all in any way, shape or form. Mm. That's what happens. Like media, telecommunications, all of these things. That's what's happened in Australia now. Like the whole thing with broadband, that was just because Murdoch and Telstra wanted to keep their ownership of broadband in this country. And that's why we have shitter broadband than Kenya because it's better for their line. So at the end of the day, that monopoly is not delivering a better product for us, the Australian public. It's delivering us a product that is worse than Kenya's. That's how this Mm. shit works, man. Like... I don't know, like, when I think about it too much, it, like, it bums me out. But I think that... But I suppose it's just because you've, you've said that labor in the 80s actually introduced more competition and that was a good thing. But yeah. then monopolies are also definitely not advantageous for innovation. Mm. So... You want competition. So there needs to be enough regulation to break up a monopoly... Or we need to open open the market to uh, overseas but corporations this, and yes. competition. But there's a point, like when it comes to Google or something like that, where it's just global. Yeah, there's nothing that can compete with Google. Like we we are at that stage now. Globalization has gotten to that stage. This is what Alex Jones is always banging on about, and people don't understand it because he's just 
railing for three hours a day and he thinks he's covered these points because he's been talking about it for 20 years and his mind goes at a million miles a minute. But he's basically saying that at this point there is just a global corporate government and that's what he's talking about. These mega institutions that governments are too small to regulate this shit. Yeah. That's what you get into when you get to these these entities. And the other thing is, again, another 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 uh, old institution that is terrified of Google and Facebook, Murdoch. All of these power brokers in the past, banks, the media, the, the people that own the media, sorry, even mining companies. Mining companies are scared of these things because they're getting so big that they can manipulate entire stock markets. It's it's like a, it's it's uncharted territory. When we when we're talking about monopolies, this is like really unprecedented stuff. Mm. So look, I I really don't know what the answer is. The, the the answer that they've come up with is actually kind of interesting, which is that what governments should do is band together and force populations to have shares in these massive companies like Facebook and Google, where, the, where there's just like a, a public vote that is set aside. So you're kind of just like forcing democracy into these companies. But I guess mm-hmm. that's another that's another discussion. Mm. So there's some form of, you could almost say it's a tax, a tax in, in, in that a certain amount of their shares have to be, well, first handed to the government and then publicly owned. Yeah, and then public... Yeah, so you just have another another election. But then it wouldn't... I mean, when you say that Google has this immense power, there are millions of shareholders that Google is made up of. I mean, obviously, there are the people who are making the corporate decisions there as well. So yeah, but- how much power did they individually or as a collective have? Not much, especially because most of them are just going to be uninformed and just sitting there going like, yay, it went up a bit. It's really just a few majority shareholders, right? Those would be the ones that are making the the decisions. And I don't know who those majority shareholders are when it comes to Google. And look, the CEO is obviously the one that's going to be calling the shots at the end of the day. And the thing is, the corporations, they kind of just, they start becoming their own monster. And they become too big for anyone to really do anything this is the other thing right like people always say this that the president of the united states their portfolio is too big for that one person that they you know have to you know be an expert in the military they have to be an expert in farming they have to, all this shit right mm. it's the same thing when it comes to the ceo of google like it, it, it is a monster that is too big for a few people to control so it's it kind of just gets a life of its own Anyway, sorry. That's, no, no, that's like a, it's a yeah, no, we keep, we, I'd <laughs> keep going on that for a while, but it's always it's long. always a depressing thought. Hmm. All right. Well. Uh, yeah. I, I I guess to conclude. My I I'm I definitely have some reservations of giant corporations holding immense amounts of economic power, and that would then translate into government influence. Probably my, my cynicism isn't at your level though, but I haven't done the extensive research that you have either. So, oh, when it comes to uh, just monopolies and corporations having the power they do. Yeah, look, I understand where you're coming from, man. Like it's. It's too cynical to say, but this is the whole point, right? 
on an individual level, I don't think that the CEO of Google is a bad person. And I think that in his mind, he thinks he's doing God's work. But it's just this thing of, like, it's that point that what I'm saying is just after a while, power, it's not the person that it's corrupting. It's the fact that this power just starts having like this, it, it becomes a machine. Mm. It's like what I'm always talking about with media bias. I mean, a whole show is about this, right? That it's just like the, the, this, this, the propaganda machine that was set up in the tens has had this life of its own now. It's not like if, if Murdoch wasn't there, it'd be someone else. Like everyone is just playing their little role. It's actually really, you know, maybe I should be looking at Shakespeare. I always shout on him, especially in high school. I still do this day, but that's basically because I'm like, man, what the fuck does thou mean? Like, I, I don't <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's, it, 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 it's hard to say, but like, it is true that that is why one of his most famous quotes is that of just like all the world is a stage and all its participants. I can't remember the exact quote, but like yeah, are merely actors. Quote. Yeah. He's all actually the way, really all the tapped into stage, something. All men and women merely players. Players. It's a profound statement. Because like when you think about it with our context, right? If we weren't in our position, someone else would be. And they might not be doing it the same because of our personality traits and like the, the direction that we have. But at the end of the day, like our jobs as comedians filled by someone else instantly. Like sure. if, if we yeah. didn't exist, done. It's the same thing when it comes to CEOs, the same thing when it comes to presidents. These things just keep going. It's like what I was learning when I was in Pakistan. I was talking to one of the chief bureaucrats and they were just saying that. It's just like, once something is set up, it just keeps moving that way. Okay. It's like the other profound quote that they were saying, in our beginning lies our end. So the way that something is set up, it kind of just like habits start going into play. Um trajectories all of these things and like sometimes people can turn it around a bit and change it here and make it go down like that but usually things kind of just go like in their natural conclusion okay hmm all right that's a good uh, note to wrap yeah, up on yeah, a conclusion i always forget got to spruik our melbourne shows but i always forget anyway come to our melbourne shows come to our melbourne shows all right thanks for listening Thank subscribe you. see ya